When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Uh, today I want to talk about the 1957 Leveland, Texas UFO sightings. Uh, there was a series of sightings that occurred in Leveland, Texas in 1957, and I'm going to... Uh, read it from a couple different sources here uh, to go over the, and go over this. Basically, what happened during this during these sightings, a lot of uh, different vehicles that people were driving were basically shut off because they were in close proximity to an apparent UFO. Anyway, here's from History.com. They mention it in an article here about some of the most famous UFO sightings to ever occur. It says here, in the film Close Encounters of the Third Kind, there's a famous scene where a UFO makes the electronics in a car go haywire. The real-life inspiration for that scene came from an incident in 1957 when dozens of citizens of Leveland, Texas, individually reported seeing a rocket or strange lights that interfered with their vehicles. Engines died, lights cut out. Though the police initially thought the reports were a hoax, they too saw the mysterious lights as they investigated the situation. Project Blue Book was assigned to investigate the case. Their findings? It was an electrical storm and ball lightning that caused the lights and the mechanical malfunctions, despite the fact that there were no reported thunderstorms in the area that night. And then here's another article from How Stuff Works. Um, the 1957 Leveland UFO encounter. And it states here, on November 2nd, 1957, the, the Soviet Union launched Sputnik 2 into orbit. Within hours, coincidentally or otherwise, a UFO wave erupted in the United States. At first, the wave appeared to be concentrated in a small backwater area of West Texas, where a series of remarkable UFO encounters took place. The sheriff's office in the town of Leveland scoffed that evening when a frightened man called to report that he, he and a friend driving on a country highway four miles west of town had seen a 200-foot-long rocket rise up from a field and rush toward their truck. Terrified of an imminent collision, the two flew out of the cab and hurled themselves into the ditch. As the UFO passed just above the truck, rocking it with a blast as loud as thunder, the vehicle's engine died and its lights went out, only to resume a few seconds later when the mysterious object disappeared from view. An hour later, another caller recounted his experience with an identical UFO that had also interfered with the electrical functioning of his car. The scoffing stopped and sheriff's officers soon found themselves handling comparable stories from frightened observers who had seen a giant light and engine-killing UFO at locations west, east, and north of Leveland. At 1.30 a.m., Sheriff Weir Clem and a deputy saw the UFO themselves. A few minutes later, Ray Jones, Leveland's fire marshal, experienced motor difficulty when the same or a similar phenomenon was in view. The official Air Force explanation, ball lightning. But ball lightning never exceeds more than 
a few feet in diameter and is usually only inches around. Project Blue Book claimed an electrical storm was in progress during the sightings. There was no storm. By 1957, Project Blue Book's investigations were perfunctory at best. Even its chief scientific advisor, astronomer J. Allen Hynek, would later remark on the absence of evidence that ball lightning can stop cars and put out headlights. And then there's even a better uh, uh, recounting of this whole episode, along with the, of course, the debunkers that came afterward, uh, what the the things that they said uh, in Wikipedia. And I'm going to read some of the stuff that's in here, and then we'll talk about it. It says here, on the evening of November 2nd, 1957, two immigrant farm workers, Pedro Saucedo and Joe Salaz, called the Levelland Police Department to report a UFO sighting. Saucedo told police officer A.J. Fowler, who was working the night desk at the police station, that they had been driving four miles west of Leveland when they saw a blue flash of light near the road. They claimed their truck engine died and a rocket-shaped object rose up and approached the truck. According to Sacido, I jumped out of the truck and hit the dirt because I was afraid. I called to Joe, but he didn't get out. The thing passed directly over my truck with a great sound and rush of wind. It sounded like thunder and my truck rocked from the flash. I felt a lot of heat. As the object moved away, moved away the truck's engine restarted and worked normally. Believing the story to be a joke, Fowler ignored it. An hour later, motorist Jim Wheeler reported a brilliantly lit egg-shaped object about 200 feet long was sitting in the road four miles east of Leveland, blocking his path. He claimed his vehicle died, and as he got out of his car, the object took off and its lights went out. As it moved away, Wheeler's car restarted and worked normally. At 10.55 p.m., a married couple driving northeast of Leveland reported that they saw a bright flash of light moving across the sky and their headlights and radio died for three seconds. Five minutes later, Jose Alvarez claimed he met a strange object sitting on the road 11 miles north of Leveland and his vehicle's engine died until the object departed. At 12.05 a.m. November 3rd, a Texas Technological College, now Texas Tech University student named Newell Wright was surprised when driving 10 miles east of Leveland, his car engine began to sputter. The ammeter on the dash jumped to discharge and then back to normal and the motor started cutting out like it was out of gas the car rolled to a stop then the headlights dimmed and several seconds later went out when he got out to check out on the problem he saw a 100 foot long egg-shaped object sitting in the road it took off and his engine started running again at 12:15 a.m officer fowler received another call this time from a farmer named frank williams who claimed he had encountered a brightly glowing object sitting in the road and as his car approached it its lights went out and its motors stopped the object flew away and his car lights and motor started working again Other callers were Ronald Martin at 12.45 a.m. and James Long at 1.15 a.m., and they both reported seeing a brightly lit object sitting in the road in front of them, and they also claimed that their engines and headlights died until the object flew away. By this time, several Leveland police officers were investigating the reports. Among them was Sheriff Weir Clem, who saw a brilliant red object moving across the sky at 1.30 a.m. At 1.45 a.m., Leveland Fire Chief Ray Jones also saw an object and his vehicle's lights and engine sputtered. 
The reports apparently ended soon after. During the night of November 2nd and 3rd, the Leveland Police Department received a total of 15 UFO-related reports, and Officer Fowler noted that everybody who called was very excited. Okay, I was going to stop there and just we'll talk about this for a couple minutes. I mean, it's amazing to have all these witnesses experiencing this incredible event all in one night, you know, one after the other, after the other, after the other. I mean, basically some object shows up, an egg-shaped object, and knocks out their cars, basically. The radios go out, the engines stop, and they can't do anything, and then the object flies away, and all of a sudden everything is back to normal again. It's just amazing, and to have all these people, you know, reporting the same thing. Obviously, something was going on. Uh, why? Who knows? I mean, I guess the, some people speculate that the, uh, the some of these UFOs, some of the flying saucers, uh, are uh, they have the electromagnetic properties uh, cause engines to conk out. I mean, is that what it is? I don't know. Uh, you really don't hear about that a, a lot anymore. Uh, you know, maybe the aliens uh, figured something out, figured out how to make that not happen anymore. I don't know. But uh, back then, it seemed like it was happening a lot. Uh, this wasn't the only case. I know there's tons of cases where, where people's car engines shut out. But this this one, in particular, to have all these people in one night in Texas have this experience is just incredible. And uh, the, the excuse that the Air Force would later put out uh, with regard to ball lightning is absolutely ridiculous, as we, we will get into. Now, I'm going to read some more of this here, uh, this in Wikipedia here. It talks, it talks about the United States Air Force investigation. Uh, and apparently, J. Allen Hynek wasn't, w- didn't work on, he was still with Blue Book at the time, but he didn't work on this particular case. And later on, and he, he regretted it. He wished he would have looked at it. And he, he actually stated that the Air Force's conclusions were incorrect. Anyway, it says, the level in sightings received national publicity and were soon investigated by Project Blue Book. Started in 1947 as Project Sign, Project Blue Book was the official United States Air Force research group assigned to investigate UFO reports. An Air Force sergeant was sent to Leveland and spent seven hours in the city investigating the incident. After interviewing three of the eyewitnesses, Saucedo, Wheeler, and Wright, and after learning that thunderstorms were present in the area earlier in the day, the Air Force investigator concluded that a severe electrical storm, most probably ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire, was the major cause for the sightings and reported auto failures. According to UFO historian Curtis Peebles, now uh, he's a, Curtis Peebles might be a UFO historian, but this guy's a debunker uh, at the same time. He doesn't state that here, but he's a, he was a debunker. Uh, Curtis Peebles stated, the Air Force found only three persons who had witnessed the blue light. There was no uniform description of the object. Additionally, Project Blue Book believed that Saucedo's account could not be relied upon. He only had a grade school education and had no concept of direction and was conflicting in his answers. In view of the stormy weather conditions, an electrical phenomenon such as ball lightning or St. Elmo's fire seemed to, seemed to be the most probable cause. Of course, they're going to say, well, yeah, this guy, uh, Saucedo, he was only one of the people that experienced this. All, all these different people experienced this. But, uh, yeah, we're going to throw away Saucedo's uh, testimony because, you know, he, he only had a grade school education. He's just a dummy. We, we don't want to listen to him. Even though there was 14 other phone calls, other, other reports, and who knows altogether how many people altogether that, that reported on it. Anyway, continuing, it says, the engine failures mentioned by the eyewitnesses were blamed on wet electrical circuits. (laughs) 
Oh, that's funny, isn't it? All the same night, because there was a, a thunderstorm apparently earlier in the day, long before this happened, though the Air Force was, oh, it was just uh, wet electrical circuits. That's obvious, you know. Yeah. Oh, how come they? How come only the vehicle the vehicle stalled out only when after the object showed up? That that's incredible. And here the bit one of the biggest debunkers uh, back in the day, Donald Menzel, also by the way, who uh, we talk about a lot, uh, somebody whose name uh, appeared in the Majestic Twelve as one of the me- original members of MJ Twelve, Majestic Twelve. Anyway, it states here, Donald Menzel, an astronomer at Harvard University and a prominent UFO skeptic, agreed with the Air Force explanation. Members of civilian saucer groups complained that since the Air Force investigator had spent only seven hours in the area, he had obviously not taken the problem seriously and could not have found the correct solution. Even 70 hours of labor however could not have produced a clearer picture the evidence leads to an overwhelming probability the fiery unknown at leveland was ball lightning menzel argued that in leveland on the night of november 2nd conditions were ideal for the formation of ball lightning for several days the area had been experiencing freak weather and on the night in question had been visited by rain thunderstorms and lightning Menzel admitted that since ball lightning is short-lived and cannot be preserved as tangible evidence, its appearance on the night of November 2nd can never be absolutely proved. However, he also argued that, quote, only the saucer proponents could have converted so trivial a series of, of events, a few stalled automobiles, balls of flame in the sky at the end of the thunderstorm into a national mystery. Wow. Wow. That's unbelievable. This guy was unbelievable. The stuff that Menzel would say for a Harvard professor and astronomer. Uh, the things that he would say, I mean, the, the, the come up with this excuse and act like it's nothing, like the, that people were making a big deal out of this. I mean, I, you never hear stuff like this. All these different, if you you never hear like uh, 10 cars getting conked out and uh, being approached by some weird object and then conking out. And another thing about ball lightning, the size of this object that they, they saw was a lot bigger than what, what any ball lightning report, uh, by the way. Uh, if you read about ball lightning, it's you know it's only like a small little uh, globe. You know it's never really big. Actually, it's still not even really proven. Uh, ball lightning is uh, it's only uh, something that's been seen by you know because it's something that it's it's hard to recreate. Uh, you, you, you know something that uh, doesn't happen all the time. But the the fact that Menzo was trying to say that this was ball lightning that's absolutely absurd. I mean, that's not what they were seeing. The object obviously was some sort of object, and it was a lot bigger than any ever, any reports of ball lightning ever. So, anyway, continuing, and it says here, uh, two ufologists, James E. McDonald and J. Allen Hynek, disputed the Air Force ball lightning electrical storm explanation. Both men argued that there was no electrical storm in the area when the sightings occurred. In testimony before a committee of the United States House of Representatives in 1968, McDonald said that, quote, one famous UFO case was at Leveland, Texas. Ten vehicles were stopped within a short area, all independently in a two-hour period. There was no lightning or thunderstorm and only a trace of rain. Heineck wrote that, as the person responsible for the tracking of the new Soviet satellite Sputnik, I was on a virtual around-the-clock duty and was unable to give it any attention whatever. I am not proud today that I hastily concurred in the Air Force evaluation as ball lightning on the basis of information that an electrical storm had been in progress in the Leveland area at the time. This was shown to not to be the case. Observers reported overcast and mist, but no lightning. Heidnick also noted that had I given it any thought whatsoever, I would soon have recognized the absence of any evidence that ball lightning can stop cars and put out headlights. Ufologists have 
also argued that the Air Force investigator did not interview nine of the 15 witnesses, nor were they mentioned in Blue Book's final report on the incident. So this was one of the biggest, most interesting cases ever of a uh, of UFO sighting. I mean, to have basically 10 cars conked out by a UFO momentarily, and then the UFO takes off. What, like, what, why was this going on? What was the purpose of it? Was it some sort of... Uh, you know, experiment by aliens? Uh, were they just screwing around, having fun? I mean, who knows? It doesn't make any sense why why something like this would happen. Uh, but it's interesting, too, that the Air Force, really, they didn't have any answers for, for this. I mean, how could they possibly, uh, you know, what, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? They they had they had nothing. They had, no, they had nothing. They ball light. Yeah, it's uh, ball lightning. Nothing to worry about. Okay, everybody can go home now. Nothing to see here. They just, they, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, this is how it's always been over the years when it comes to these kind of cases. Could you imagine it all if something like this were to happen today? I mean, for one thing, uh, you would actually have every, a lot of the, I, I, I would say probably about at least 70% of those people in these, in, in these incidents, right? There were 10 vehicles basically that were conked out. Uh, the engines got conked out by this object. Now, I would imagine, well, you know, I would imagine some of these people would try to film this thing with their cell phones, but then again, maybe the cell phones won't work. Maybe they'd be conked out too. Who knows? Uh, but uh, I, it's just amazing that these things uh, actually have happened in the past. Uh, again, I'm not aware of any recent cases where, where things like this have happened, where uh, engines get uh, basically shut down uh, and, and radios go off and basically there's some sort of an effect electromagnetic effect caused by uh, nearby UFOs uh, that cause vehicles to basically stop operating. Uh, be pretty dangerous if one of them got too close to an airplane, right? Uh, and, and, and something like that would happen. Uh, and apparently, apparently things like that did happen uh, sometimes. It's been talked about. There's been a lot of different planes that have, uh, military planes mostly, that have gone down uh, allegedly over the over the years throughout the fifties and sixties, uh, where uh, they chased after UFOs and never returned. Um, we talked about that before in the podcast. But anyway, yes, the Leveland, Texas case—that's one of the bigger cases, uh, one of the most interesting cases. That basically have all these cars get shut down at all different times. The sightings were at all different periods throughout that night uh, into the next more early next morning, and uh, there's still no explanation to this day other than uh, the Air Force's contention that it was ball lightning, which is total nonsense, not true. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Okay, we are back. Um, recently, I guess a week or so before I got ill with COVID, I had received an email message from my anonymous source, a uh, retired electronics engineer who did work for uh, different government agencies like NASA and DARPA and the CIA, as well as defense contractors. And uh, basically, uh, this person has uh, provided a lot of different interesting concepts about what the extraterrestrials are doing on earth uh, in the past and here and this was another one i just didn't get a chance to get around to talking about it and i want to go over it now and basically uh 
he lays out the you know the the superiority that these beings basically uh, have over us and uh why it's it's we really don't have a chance against them you know apparently uh it would seem but anyway this is the message message that uh, uh he sent me uh it says people often say that if the aliens meant us harm they would have destroyed the planet by now clearly that's not the agenda they're here to colonize and as long as we can be kept passive and under control they are satisfied indeed the fact that they show little regard for being observed as they go about their gruesome business makes their attitude towards us quite clear Though they haven't yet needed to use serious military force, our continued technical advances may make it necessary in the future. They appear to be preparing for it by locating and targeting our military bases and research installations, both within the United States and around the globe. This has been observed by nearly every nation on the planet with any significant level of military power. I just want to stop there for a second and point out that yeah, I mean, obviously these beings, I mean, the, a lot of people always have it in their head, heads, you know, uh, ever since 1897 when H.G. Wells wrote The War of the Worlds that if there's any aliens coming from any other planet to this planet, uh, they're going to basically destroy us, wipe us out the way we wipe out other countries, you know, when we fight in, in wars, you know, blowing everything up, you know, shooting people. And that's basically, you know, H.G. Wells described that, uh, something like that in 1897. Of course, they had they were using these machines that were much more advanced than anything uh, humans had at that point time and of course it's been like that ever since i mean uh, after 1947 hollywood got involved you know after the 1947 ufo flap um you know where people start seeing flying saucers all the time by the 1950s uh different hollywood studios were making movies like the actually they made a movie version of war of the worlds and of course other movies like earth versus the flying saucers and a whole bunch of other ones where basically aliens are here and they're blowing everything up trying to take it take things over um uh, now i don't think that that's what their plan is but i guess uh, if, if push comes to shove uh, at some point i you know, i guess they would have to do something but i don't see it happening i just don't see that happening i think they're uh, they have powers that such powers that they wouldn't need to ever even go there uh, i'm sure there's other things they can do via psychotronic means who knows what they're capable of i mean any 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 race that's a hundred thousand million years more advanced than humans i mean god knows you, you, you can only imagine anyway continuing it's been said that whoever controls the air air controls the land in that case we're in serious trouble ufo capabilities are well known and are vastly superior to our best aircraft they have exhibited instantaneous acceleration and can travel at hypersonic velocity velocity without causing a sonic boom and move at high speeds underwater without causing cavitation these characteristics may be the result of technology which enables ufos to distort the fabric of space-time itself this would permit instantaneous acceleration without any effects of inertia on their occupants it also explains how a vehicle could exceed the speed of sound without a sonic boom or travel through water without causing cavitation essentially the vehicle isn't traveling through normal space as we do instead it is pushing space out of the way needless needless to say this technology is centuries ahead of anything we currently possess and that's that's an understatement most most certainly i mean i it's something like that i mean we if we were to try to fight against these things it would be like you know uh you know trying to stop a nuclear bomb with the slingshot 
I mean, basically, that's that's how I see it. Anyway, continuing. Another capability, sometimes described as the penetration of solid surfaces, might be the result of the same space-bending technology. Although it seemed impossible when I first heard it, abductees have reported aliens coming directly through a wall to enter their home. I assume the energy field necessary to permit such an action would be projected from the vehicle. Then it's in close proximity to the residents. When it's in close proximity to the residents. Oh, now I want to stop there. Yeah, that's a lot of people. A lot of people who said they were abducted by aliens uh, said they actually saw them walking right through the wall. And uh, so what what he's stating here is that basically this ability that allows them to travel through space by basically uh pushing space out of the way maybe that's the same kind of technology they employ to get to go walking through a wall to to uh, get at their targets and i wonder you know actually you know when i was a kid i'd always talk about the experience i had where there was some uh, being in my room when I was a kid that had three fingers on, on its on its hand. That's it, three digits that came to points. And that whole time I could hear this, it sounded like some sort of electronic humming sound. Um, was there a hole opened up in the wall? I didn't. I never got to see the being. Of course, I, I never took the blanket over, off from over my head, so I never saw it. I knew it was there. I could see its shadow for sure, right? But I, there was a, the whole time there was an electronic humming sound. Was that humming sound was that the the vehicle outside causing a a hole to be opened in 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 the wall somewhere for for the being to get in and out of could be i don't know anyway continuing in addition the small orb ufos probably robotic drones seem to be able to split into even smaller devices that are able to act independently this enables them to enter confined spaces such as subways drainage tunnels or even ventilation shafts where people may be hiding next psychotronic manipulation goes beyond mere paralysis it can also involve the altering of consciousness in such a way as to keep the population passive and unsuspecting in the case of the phoenix lights i noticed that many people who had observed the alien craft at close range seemed to have been rendered docile another example concerns a certain a certain well-known ufo investigator He was once a very intelligent and logical individual, but he clearly underwent a radical personality shift following a UFO encounter. He now asserts the belief that the aliens are here to help us and leads groups of people to remote areas where they are subjected to similar encounters and return psychologically altered. By a gradual process such as this, an entire planet can be subjugated without firing a shot. Now, he's not saying a name there, but I could guess who he means. I mean, he's talking about Stephen Greer there. You know, Stephen Greer started off as he was a well-known UFO investigator, and now he's taking people out in the desert uh, basically to see UFOs, and they have to sign, pay a lot of money to do it, uh, and uh, and they have to sign uh, non-disclosure agreements. Um, I mean, it could be, or he could be just doing it to cash in on it. I mean, I know that there's some people out there who... Uh, in, in the field of UFOs uh, that basically turn it into a business and they're just out to make a lot of money on it. And obviously, I would imagine Greer is making a lot of money on it. He's building a big facility uh, where he could have even more privacy than he than he has now uh, when uh, viewing these uh, UFOs. Uh, apparently, UFOs are showing... That, that's what are said. I don't know all the details. I, I'm, I, I have a problem with this, with this, with Greer, myself. I, I just don't... I don't like what he's doing. It, it just looks bad to me, 
you know as just someone standing outside the box and and he's charging six seven eight hundred dollars for people to show up in the middle of the desert and and that's just to show up that doesn't include the hotel or food or anything like that uh or you know it's just to be there to have the opportunity to be there to see some lights uh potentially show up in the sky um so to me it just it sounds funny but hey Maybe my anonymous source is correct, and really what's happened is that uh, Greer has been manipulated via psychotronic means, and that's why he's doing this, that he's turning these people into zombies. I don't know. Anyway, continuing. Finally, the amount of blood being collected now appears to be far greater than previously realized. There is disturbing new evidence to show that cattle, which apparently died of natural causes and therefore went unreported were killed solely for blood without being mutilated in several recent cases a healthy cow was found dead just hours after a ufo was seen in the area and an autopsy revealed that its blood had been completely drained uh so he's suggesting that uh, uh there's more cows than ever that are being mutilated and that could be a sign i guess that there's more and more sh- of these beings showing up and obviously they need blood they need more blood to, to, to quench their hunger. Um, well, I, I mean, to me, I, I, like I've said this before on the podcast, I used to believe uh, that the biggest reason for the, for the cover-up was um, because the government was secretly behind the scenes trying to reverse engineer this technology and it's before any other country is able to do that. I've changed my mind uh, over, over the past you know, six, seven, eight months on that because uh you know when you think about this theory that these things are here to colonize and basically uh they live off blood i mean there's some insects of course in our that we know of in the insect world they they live off blood they're carnivores and uh and if these things are similar uh a lot of people describe these praying mantis type beings and they seem to be the ones in charge uh, and maybe the uh, gray, uh, the gray beings themselves are some sort of a hybrid of them, an offshoot. Oh, who knows? Maybe they're a, a hybrid of, of a human and a, and a praying mantis. Uh, and it seems like a lot of people also say they see reptilians, but it seems like the reptilians are working for the praying mantis. And also, a lot of times, they seem to have the same kind of duties as the as the as the as the grays. Who knows? I mean, again, we all, we can only speculate. Um, I'm sure that there are some people within our government that has more that have more answers than this. Uh, but the thing is, it's just, you know that's what I think is. I, I believe that this theory makes more sense. I, I don't know. If, I'm not saying for a fact that it's true because I I really don't know. But I, I would say this is the number one reason for the cover up, because I mean, you tell the world this, it's you know, and then you you realize my my god these these beings have you know they're so tech more so more much more technically advanced than technologically advanced than the human races we, we don't have a chance because we, we don't we really wouldn't have a chance or we have a chance so we you know we, we we might have no choice but to sit back and just you know i was just talking about this yesterday we had no choice but to sit back and just let it happen Maybe that's what the government's just, you know, they're trying to figure out. They're pondering. Do we have a way to stop this or not? Or we just accept our fate and just, you know, roll with it. 